It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. On this week's episode, we will be talking about Michigan's Big win over Michigan State on the basketball court. Will it be a turning point for the Wolverines? And we'll look ahead to the remaining Big Ten schedule. We've got updates on hockey, baseball, softball, women's basketball, maybe even some football. I don't know. There might not be time. All of that and more coming up on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. And we will be doing that without Mr. Aaron McMahon today. No McMahon. uh, DNP illness. Again, he's been battling a bug for, it seems like, every other week since the football season ended, which typically you're supposed to be safe during football season. Some are saying this could be our best pod in, in months. I, I be, I've been excited all day about this. I think we can uh, really, you know, take this to the next level. So uh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, the, the Michigan men's basketball team, huge win on Saturday over Michigan State. They got Isaiah Livers back. And, you know, what a lot of the fans have been thinking, what Jawan Howard has certainly been saying, uh, kind of came to fruition. Hey, they looked a lot better with their full roster. Go figure. You know, he was hitting shots out there. He was defending. He was apparently, you can't always, you know, notice this, especially from where we sit, but talking in transition. You know, Michigan State just got out and ran all over Michigan uh, uh, in the first matchup. You know, he helped kind of shut that down. You know, they, they made some... Nice adjustments, I think, on Cassius Winston. It was more complicated than just this, but the main thing that they did was they switched their primary defender. Instead of Xavier Simpson, it was Eli Brooks who, you know, guarded him one-on-one for most of the game, and I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I mean, if you just looked at the box score, it could be kind of misleading because, mm-hmm. oh, you see Cassius Winston had a game-high 20 points, right? but he only had two in the first half, and a lot of those were – a lot of those points came down the stretch. Seven Michigan came in the had, final, like 90 when, seconds. Yes, yeah. Michigan kind of had it sealed by that point. So, if anything, it was a, just a big mental boost for everyone else, too, just knowing you have one of your top players back, giving some other guys some confidence, taking pressure off them. And, like, I mean, it's just a feeling you get when you know, hey, we have a, one of our big guys coming back. Like, this, it just – everyone just seems to be feeling a little bit better. And I think that was definitely the case – on Saturday. I agree. And it gives, it's not just like liver starting. It's then liver starts. So then Brandon Jones doesn't have to start. Mm-hmm. He had done well, you know, in place of him, but now he can just come off the bench for 15 or 20 minutes. It not, it just knocks everyone down a peg instead of, you know, uh, the Simpson and Teske and, and whoever else having to be the leading scorers, you know, they just got another guy to kind of balance that load. Everyone drops down and, you know, let's be honest, also, also probably knocks someone out of the rotation that maybe, you know, isn't ready for that role yet. Jawan went with a tight, you know, eight-man rotation. 
you know, DeJulius and Austin Davis being the other guys off the bench along with Johns. And, the, you know, the minute distribution was pretty nice, you know, 31 minutes for three of the starters, 32 for another, 28 for Teske, and then 18, 17, and 12 for your three bench guys. That's like kind of how you'd want to you'd want to draw it up, you know, if you don't have any foul trouble. But, yeah, Livers comes out of the game feeling healthy. You know, he was able to play. Like I said, that, that's just amazing to me that he can just 31 minutes after not playing at all. Yeah. And he, he was asked after the game, too, if he was on, like, a – a uh, minute limit at all. Yeah. Say like, no. If I'm going to play, I, I'm going to play. Like, there's no point in in like easing me back in. Like, it's it's crunch time right now. Yep. So, and and he didn't show any ill effects of of that injury. And good for him. You know, this was a big win. You get you know you got the Michigan State at home uh, and a team that had been struggling a little bit lately too. They've now fallen out of the top twenty five after being preseason number one. And I see you're you're wearing your Spartan green today. I don't know if that morning or what your deal is but that was a a much needed win and now it kind of because i saw that as a potentially after they lost at home to ohio state that then became somewhat of a swing game because if you just look at the rest of the schedule this week at northwestern on wednesday should be a win gotta Gotta be be a win gotta be a win indiana at home like gotta be a win then you go to rutgers you go to purdue those are both i would say Trending towards losses. You know, they could get either right. of those games, but, you know, kind of trending towards losses. Wisconsin at home, you know, trending towards a win. At Ohio State, trending towards a loss. Nebraska at home, win. And Maryland, you know, probably lost. So it's like that, you just kind of add all this up, and it kind of puts you right on that border for, you know, being at least four wins above 500 that we've talked about on this podcast that typically you need to be uh, to get an NCAA tournament at-large bid. You know, they're trying to get out of the bottom for that Big Ten, which kind of been heartbending on that. It's not the worst thing in the world in a year where the Big Ten is so deep. But if you're in that bottom four, it means you play on the first day against a team that's probably not in the tournament. I mean, if it's Nebraska or Northwestern, definitely, definitely not. And then otherwise, it's some, you know, probably some other team that's fallen and is, is looking real bubblicious like Minnesota or right. Indiana. So I just think it's not exactly it's kind of a lose lose situation. You'd rather just be in that next round, get the bye and then play a tournament team and try to get that win you know that just looks better on your resume but anyway we're still we're still a long way from that it is just a quite the cluster in the big 10 maryland at nine and three a couple teams at eight and four three teams at eight and five a couple at seven and six six and seven five and seven five and seven again you got after nebraska northwestern it's just such a bunch of teams there but yeah michigan will go to northwestern on wednesday i'll be there I think the more, more important thing at this point you wrote about this morning is like where Michigan currently sits mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament right. projections right now. And I think you uh, mostly looking like a number eight seed at yep. this point. And that little eight, nine game, which is, is not a good place to be. <laughs> it, it's funny how the tournament works out. You'd, you'd really rather be a 10 than an eight because then, you know, you're not playing one of the top four teams, probably close to their home, you know, in the country in the second round. You know, they're sort of safely in right now because, you know, the next wave of teams, those nine, you know, the 10, 11, 12 teams, those are the ones that are that are kind of would be considered on the bubble. And that's where kind of Indiana is right now. But, yeah, 11 teams in the Big Ten, pretty much everyone other than North, Northwestern and Nebraska has a chance to get in, you know, without winning the Big Ten tournament. Well, what's, which, what's the most Big Ten teams that have ever made it? Before? It was last year, eight. eight. And the most in any <laughs> conference is 11, right. which was the Big, Big East, East, which had yeah. 16 teams. So they had two extra teams, you know, then the Big Ten, which is a 14-team league. But, yeah, they're looking at 11 ESPN and CBS. My pal Jerry Palm over there, they both have 11 Big Ten teams. Yeah, both have Michigan State in, like, that 5-6 range and Michigan in that, you know, kind of 8-9 range. So Kind of a little off-the-cuff question right now, but at, at this point in the season, what Big Ten team do you think would have the best shot 
at making a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, the three teams I like the most are Maryland, Illinois, and Michigan State still. I mean, I know Michigan State has, has fallen on some hard times, but again, I think that just points to the strength of the league. I like Maryland a lot. And I like Illinois as a team where I think they can escape that first weekend, you know, depending on their seed, without shooting great from three, uh, because they just, they don't shoot that great from three at all. But, and I think they could get to the final four if over those next two games, you know, they do. They do find rhythm. I mean, they've got guys, you know, Desunmu, you know, the kind of most prolific shooters from the outside. Alan Griffin, Trent Frazier, they're all, Andres Feliz have been, you know, he didn't shoot a ton from three, but they're all capable, um, but just their overall body of work, the numbers, you know, aren't quite there. But there's games where you've seen them hit those shots. You know, Michigan has guys like that too. But the way that we already know they can drive the ball, and with what their bigs bring, you know, Coburn and Big Georgie inside, like you know what you know what they have on the interior, you know, that makes them just a, a very dangerous team with with a coach that I think is you know, is a pretty good tournament coach and Brad Underwood. So yeah, I would say I would say those three would be the best. Illinois kind of maybe more I guess I just said more of the dark horse, but now they're in, you know, they're tied for second place, so maybe not so much. But yeah, it'll be teams spread out all over right. this bracket. <laughs> it'll be unbelievable to see kind of, you know, what kind of push they can make. Because last year is pretty good. They got they got several teams, you know, mm-hmm. to that second weekend. It'll be interesting to to keep an eye on. But you know, it's one of these years where it kind of looks wide open overall with no no real dominant teams. So that's Michigan. Let's talk a little women's hoop since we're on the topic of basketball. We can do that. Um, yeah. You know, they are playing well now too. Three game win streak. Just kind of, yep. beat Minnesota last night, seventy seven to fifty two, and they're doing it without one of their key players, who uh, Taylor Robbins, who tore her ACL a few weeks ago, and they're another team fighting for their their NCAA tournament spot right now. I just looked at the latest uh, ESPN projections, and they're currently a number eight seed. That would be facing Marquette. So yeah, I mean they're they have a lot to, to prove still. They're seven and five in the Big Ten, sixteen and seven overall. So we'll they'll have a, a key game against Northwestern on Thursday, who's uh, near the the top of the yeah. Big Ten. So right, yeah, and you know Robinson got replaced in the starting lineup by a freshman, Maddie Nolan, who had her own knee injury. She's got the you know kind of bulky brace. You know had, had missed most of the season. Comes back. And gets put right in the starting lineup, kind of like a, a Franz Wagner situation, except he didn't miss that many games right. and his was a broken wrist. And again, it was kind of more like his spot was being held for him. I'm not sure if Nolan would have started even if she was healthy to begin the year, but she's been playing like big minutes thrown right into the fire. So that, that's been the key. But, you know, Amy Dilk makes his team go right. as the point guard facilitator. They've got scores with Nas Hillman and, and Haley Brown. Another freshman, Michelle Cedor, just a, a really outstanding outside shooter. This team has a little more depth than in the past, I feel like. I hope, you know, you said they were, what was their seeding looking like right uh, now? Number eight. Eight seed, two. Yeah. So yeah. right in the same thing we said about they, the men's they team. They do have some bad loss. Like that Notre Dame loss at home, I right. feel like it's just going to – it's going to hurt. Notre Dame is a team that, that's not projected to be in the field at all right now. Right. They're just having a dismal year. But, yeah, the Big Ten is strong, and we'll see how they finish I, I think well. even more so in the women's bracket is you do not want to be in the 8-9 game because the number one seeds are even more dominant in women's college basketball compared to men's. Uh, and they truly years. get to play at home. And they do. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. They do get to host on their home court. So, yeah, that's – I mean, you would definitely would rather be uh, almost a 10 seed there. But – 
again, that puts you more on the bubble too. So I'm, I'm right, sure right, in your yeah. mind, hey, let's, let's play try to get to like a, a six or yes. a five or something somewhere it, in there. Exactly. All right, we've got a lot of other sports to talk about as well. I mean, where do you want to take us next? We take us to the ice. You could take us to the to the diamond. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, it is it is uh, only one, <clears throat> one month left in the hockey season, mm-hmm. so I guess we'll we'll start there. And uh, Michigan swept Wisconsin this past weekend, winning eight to four and five to three. Their eight goals on Friday. I was at that game. It was a season high. One line in particular: Jimmy Lambert, Jake Slaker. And Nick Granowitz, a freshman, who's really come on in the second half. Granowitz had a hat trick, and, and that line combined for 10 points in that game. And uh, they're 6-1-1 since January 1st and are now above 500 for the first time since October. So they're trying to make a late push and get back into that NCAA tournament conversation. They're currently 25th in the pairwise rankings, which basically the NCAA tournament commit or selection committee just goes off of that come selection time. So you, again, like I mentioned this before, you want to be in that top 14 to kind of guarantee a spot for an at-large bid. But I, I even think if with how Michigan is playing and with how much parity there is in the Big Ten this year, I mean, there's two te- three teams tied for second place right now, and they're only four points ahead of sixth-place Michigan. Um, so there's a lot of parity in the league. Michigan has proven it to beat both teams. They've already swept Penn State, or no, finished 1-0-1 against Penn State uh, a few weekends ago, who's currently leading the Big Ten. So there's, there's a shot that they can run the table and win the Big Ten tournament, too, to get that automatic bid. But right now, they're, they're scoring more. Our goaltending continues to be a, a strong spot. I thought uh, Strauss Mann struggled a little bit on, on Friday, let in a, a few soft goals. But luckily, the Wisconsin goalie did the same, and they were able to. Wisconsin had quite a few defensive breakdowns, which is kind of odd for a team that has 12 NHL draft picks mm. on the roster, which is among the most in in the entire nation, including a few first rounders, but you could tell they're young and an experience and haven't really learned how to play in their own zone yet. But a big week coming up, they face Michigan state on the road in East Lansing on Friday. Uh, the Spartans are uh, one of those teams tied for second. They're number 19 in the uh, U.S. online hockey college hockey online poll, number 19 in the pairwise. So this is they need to get two wins here, or at least a win and a tie to continue to trend up. Then I will be at the Monday game at Little Caesars Arena, the annual duel in the D game as well. So that should be a fun one as well. They always play one game in Detroit a year. So big week for for the hockey team upcoming. I think I saw some news that the Michigan Michigan Tech rivalry will be renewed yes, as well. I, I'm, I mean, it's obviously my, my uncle and my dad both played at Michigan Tech. And so like that's, and there's a lot of history there. And obviously Mel Pearson played and coached at Michigan Tech right. as well. So it's a big hundredth year at Michigan Tech. It looks like the Wolverines will be going up to Houghton to open their 2022-21 season. So that should be, unfortunately it does fall during football season. So it doesn't look like that will, be able to go up there and cover. Do they have an exact be, date already? Uh, they, no, no. There's a buy. Right. A yeah, there could be. Buy. Yeah, you can always hope. So we will see. Baseball, softball. Um, you know, you got a chance to to head over there to the Will Pond Complex to uh, you know check out some action, right? Was yeah, actual went to, action. You know, media day on Sunday, and it was weird. Like they said, yeah, we'll hold media day after we do a nine inning scrimmage. I'm like, well, you know, like there's <laughs> there's three four inches of snow in the forecast on Sunday. How do you expect to play? So before the snow started, they warmed up on the field outside and then went indoors for a few hours and then came back and did interviews. So I got to talk with Coach Eric Backage and a few of the players and. 
I mean, this is their uh, top 15 team in most rankings, which is very rare for a, for a team from the North. And they're not going to surprise just, anyone this year. They're not going to surprise anyone this year. Yeah, they absolutely shocked the world last year when they went from the last at-large team into the NCAA tournament all the way to falling one win short of the, the College World Series. And guess who they open up against on Friday? It's that Vanderbilt team mm-hmm. that is bringing back a bunch of their top players. Looks like Kumar Rocker might be on the mound, who is a potential number one overall pick in, in a couple years. He absolutely tore them up in the College World Series final last year. But Michigan also has some key pieces back. I mean, Jordan Wogu from Ann Arbor Pioneer, an outfielder, leadoff hitter, had a great season last year. Jock Criswell will be their number one pitcher, building off of what he was able to do last year, starting a little bit, coming in relief, kind of being their do-it-all, jack-of-all-trades pitcher down the stretch. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle these expectations for the first time, if they can build off off the run last year. One thing I did find uh, kind of interesting, I, I wrote about this mm-hmm. this week, is uh, I'm kind of the relationship between the Michigan softball and the Michigan baseball team. I mean, there's a lot of communication between the two. And Backer says, uh, I mean, he's been able to uh, glean a lot from just, just following how Carol Hutchins runs her program. I mean, she's been a, the head coach at Michigan now for 36 seasons, all-time NCAA wins leader, is always in the NCAA tournament, has made 12 World Series appearances. Michigan or Backage is hoping that's what this baseball program becomes at Michigan. So we'll I, I did like that. I mean, it because it wasn't BS. You, you see sometimes coaches that uh, you know at the same school coaching you know the, the same sport don't necessarily get along. There can be some resentment there over. Really, anything sharing facilities, facilities yeah, I mean, salary, you know, contracts yeah. and salaries, um, attention that the programs get. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they seems like you know that hasn't been an issue here. Mm-hmm. Backage has kind of come in, and I don't want to say no, right, realize his place, but in the pecking order. But you know, Hutchins, Hutch is the legend here, right? Yeah, you know, the mean, more success, the the place that they fill their stadium, and then baseball starting to. To, to this, catch up with yeah, that. Yeah, this will be interesting to see this year. If, if like, even fan-wise, I mean, it seemed like people really gravitated toward that run. So we'll see if that, that means more butts in the seats for uh, for the baseball team this year. But, right. yeah, softball, you cover any game, even if it's in, in March and it's 35 degrees outside. I mean, there will right. be people in those stands cheering on, on the Wolverines. So. Be, and softball actually already has started. They're yep. off to a five and zero start. <laughs> um, beat, beat number seven Florida seven or eleven to two on their third game of the year. And yeah, I mean it's it's been. Uh, I mean I don't want to say surprising, but to beat a top ten team, I mean Hutch always likes to say it's like yeah, like we are practicing indoors. We're like I mean we go into the warm weather, and that's the first time we're playing in the warm yeah. weather. And these teams have been able to be outside and, and doing things for months now mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they go in and get off to a, a really hot start so i mean a couple one run wins in there beat fresno state one to nothing in nine innings beat usf two to one in eight innings but you got to find way, ways to win and i know the past couple of years hutch has always said those preseason games are important because a lot of times you face some tough competition in those early season non-conference games, because the Big Ten, you can't always count on the Big Ten to be a, a dominant conference in, in college softball. So you got to bank these wins early, and so far they've been able to do that. We can close with some football talk. There's not much to really report. Devin Bush Sr. Uh, has left the staff there. Yes, he is also going to Ole Miss, and he's will be their recruiting director there. So he's leaving. He was a defensive analyst at Michigan. Now will be joining Lane Kiffin's staff. Kind of following Chris Partridge, who yep. left earlier to be the DC at at Ole Miss. So it's a, 
uh, I wouldn't say a huge loss, but it's it's another loss. Listen, so. he was a guy that his resume would suggest he could be, you know, a, a true assistant coach somewhere on a staff. For, I mean, given what I agree. Is his track record. Yeah, I mean, it's what now three defections from the staff this year. If you count yep, Campanelli as well, yeah. is there anyone else? I mean, is but this is typical. This is typical for Jim Harbaugh. Well, turnover where we meet with the team and Harbaugh, you know, several times a week during the season at, at Jim Beckler Hall. There is a, a, a mural now, and it's what it is now is a mural of pretty much all the head coaches in Michigan football history with some more prominent than others. There's Harbaugh in there and there's actually, it's funny. It's Chris Partridge and Don Brown are flanking Harbaugh in, in the painting, but um, you got Bo obviously and Boy, Chrysler and, and Yost and Carr yeah. and smaller ones of Hoke and, and Rich Rodriguez. But anyway, what it used to be was plaques, headshots, photos of the entire coaching staff. And that's what it says on the top. It says Michigan football coaching staff. It doesn't say coaching history or head coaches. But early on in Harbaugh's tenure, there was so much turnover every year, they couldn't keep up with the damn thing, and it was just constantly out of date. So they replaced it. They just scratched that and like, all right, we're just going with this mural of just like the coaches that, you know, some many of which are dead or whatever gone from Michigan. It's not going to change. Uh, but again, it's just kind of a little, a little anecdote that speaks to just kind of the turnover. And I don't think it's, I don't think you'd say if people don't like working for Harbaugh or they're trying to get out of here. It's, you know, guys that are, that are moving up in the ranks. Right. Um, it's more the nature of the business these days now too. I mean, it's not like the mission's the only program where assistants are leaving constantly, but it is noteworthy nonetheless. I think it'd be helpful to have stability at the coordinator positions. And he said that with Don Brown. And now maybe they'll start to have that here offensively with Josh Gaddis moving into year two, because you don't want to just keep switching your, your scheme and, and have your players, you know, getting used to just a new person and a new uh, style of play, you know, every couple of years. So in one um, defense off Shea Patterson, like how many offensive coordinators did he have in his career? I mean, a new it's, one every yeah, year. It's, it's got to be tough for him to really, I mean, really take control of an offense when you're changing things up every single season. So, Absolutely. yeah, that's I agree with, with that for sure. Absolutely. I'll end by just, you know, plugging a story I wrote recently about Phil Martelli. Spent a little time on it. So, hey, if you can go read it, I'd appreciate it. Listen, I'm not saying it's a, a great story because I'm a, a great writer or a great reporter, though I am those things. <laughs> it's because of the subject. I mean, Martelli is just uh, – very media friendly. He said, he's like, I've never understood why it has to be an adversarial relationship. And, you know, so he just, and still a big he's not manipulative a paper, either. Or paper copy of a newspaper. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely love that. Yes. So, uh, just someone who's just kind of, he's just a great storyteller. And, you know, hopefully I captured even a fraction of that in the story. Yeah. And feel free to get at us. We don't have the, uh, there's no Wolverine confidential Twitter account, but we're all on Twitter. So you can, you can get at me at Andrew Khan. It's just our names. It's yeah. Andrew Khan and Ryan Zook. Khan, K-A-H-N, Zook, Z-U-K-E. Hopefully, hopefully we'll make it. We'll, depending on if this is like one of our highest rated pods, I mean, maybe we'll say, Aaron, you know, take another week off. But yeah, yeah. I assume we'll invite him back on next week. He'll be, be feeling better and including him too and i'm sure we'll be talking more about nfl admission players in the nfl draft and combine that's all on the horizon here spring practice is on the horizon but at this point not much football news so i Absolutely. guess it wasn't this was the time for him to miss a podcast it's true need be. and this is the podcast the only one i know of where you're gonna get all these other sports thrown in okay we're not just talking about the you know the big two or the big three or whatever we're, we're covering it all because there's a lot of you know successful teams on this campus well, anyway that concludes this episode thank you for listening 